Welcome to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. The purpose of Parkinson's Recovery is to identify all sorts of natural options that are available to individuals who are currently experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. It is my honor and my privilege to have an amazing individual as a guest on the radio show today. Dr. Gregory Eckel has spent the last 20 plus years developing and refining his unique approach to chronic neurological conditions. In addition to his experience in clinical practice using a combination of naturopathic and Chinese medicine, he has a deep personal connection with chronic neurological disease since his wife, Saria, passed at of Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease, that's CJD, a condition with no known cure. As she was the love of his life, he took a deep dive into research and uncovered regenerative medicine and the development of a, get this, brain regenerative program in loving memory of his wife. He has continued to help others with neurodegenerative diseases to improve their quality of life and to identify and pursue natural solutions. Dr. Eckel is a highly respected and well-known intellectual uh, international lecturer, author, and expert in integrative care for neurodegeneration. He's also the co-founder and the owner of Nature Cures Clinic in Portland, Oregon, USA. Dr. Eckel, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today. Oh, you are so welcome, and it is my pleasure to help just share the information. So, Dr. Echo, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how in the world you wound up doing what you're doing? Yes. You know, so I have been in clinical practice since 2001 right here in Portland, Oregon, and I never knew really what natural medicine was. So the how I discovered it was here in Portland, we have the oldest and best naturopathic school in the world. It's the National University of Natural Medicine. At the time, uh, in the early 90s, I was a preschool teacher and I was teaching in the Montessori education uh, component and I was watching these three to six-year-old children being put on drugs. And I just thought there's gotta be a better way to help these kids. And I had a poster child, Michael, I like to say Michael included others in his learning. And um, he was a rambunctious fella, but he was full of spitfire and life. And the head teacher advocated for his parents to take him in to the medical doctor. Lo and behold, he got diagnosed with ADD, attention deficit disorder, and prescribed at that time Ritalin was the drug du jour. And I remember the first day he came back into the classroom. Uh, he was slumped in his chair. He did stay in his chair, but that little sparkle that is in kids' eyes, it was gone. It was just kind of masked over. He kind of slumped there. His shoe was untied, a little bit disheveled, but he definitely stayed in his chair. Uh, and I just thought, boy, he was like my motivation for going to school. Then you fast forward about 15 years, and my wife, Soraya, um, was this 
brilliant being on the planet. Um, six foot one, just firecracker women. She did. She was certified nurse midwife, nurse practitioner. And, uh, you know, women would come out of the room after getting their pap smears, like singing a little jig, and they'd be laughing in there. It's like, what in the world are they doing in there? And, you know, she was just that type of practitioner and provider. Graduated top of her class from the number one uh, nurse practitioner, nurse midwifery school in the country. Just really uh, an amazing being. And over the year, uh, you know, a couple years into her practice here at Nature Cures, um, we started staying later and later at night as she was finishing her charts. And, you know, um, I didn't question it at the beginning, but um, as time went on, it was like, hey, Soraya, what is going on? And she had all kinds of, you know, reasons as to why we are staying late, you know, tougher cases, more intense therapies, et cetera. But it became very evident very quickly that, no, something else, something more nefarious was going on. And we looked at the typical issues for, it was basically she was exhibiting rapidly, uh, rapid dementia. Uh, for She was really, her memory was going really quickly right in front of her eyes. And, you know, for a 40-something-year-old woman, you think about their hormones, you look at mold, um, maybe there's some environmental thing happening here. And we ruled out all of the go-tos and, uh, you know, kind of exhausted my options here at the clinic. So we ventured out into the Western medical system. And I was, I had known over the, at that point, 17 years of practice that the system was broken. But you don't really feel it. I mean, I felt it for my patients, but when it's your wife and your loved one and your family so close to home, it's a different experience of it. And, you know, we got like just brushed off like, oh, it's a psychotic break. It's all in our head. And, you know, I'd been in medical practice for so long at that point. I said, you know, this is nothing that I have seen before. This is not a psychotic break. Um, and as you get into that realm of a rapidly progressing dementia, there's two things that stand out that you don't want to have in the differential. And one is autoimmune encephalitis, which is an autoimmune condition of the brain attacking, your body attacking your brain. And the other one is CJD, which is Crisfeld-Jacob disease, which is a prionic activity. And I'll tie that in as to why I wrote a book on Parkinson's and how I developed this brain regeneration program. But those two diagnoses were on there. So I quickly um, started to become the expert. Uh, as you can imagine, as loving husband and provider, I was well positioned to swing for the proverbial fence uh, to figure out, like, what can we do for Soraya? And, you know, CJD is a miserable disease to, to live with. Uh, it's one in a million people in North America get it. It's about 326 cases a year. So it's very rare. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, I went right to the sources. I went to the researchers. I went to Case Western as the prionic surveillance center of North America. I did not know that beforehand. And a lot of providers and people don't understand what a prion is. And a prion is a misfolded protein. The connection to Parkinson's is underlying the pathology in Parkinson's is a misfolded protein, a prionic-like activity of alpha-synuclein. So while not a lot of people have CJD, 
I spent the year, now it was 18 months from basically initial signs of dementia until Soraya left her body off the planet. Um, it was a very long 18 months. Uh, and during that time, I, you know, really, uh, basically it was like a time warp. I went into the literature really looking at what can we do. So we, we got into hyperbarics and photobiomodulation and IV therapy and regenerative therapies. Uh, I invented a nasal spray that we'll talk about today. Um, unfortunately, none of that helped Soraya. She was too far progressed with this thing. Uh, but what I, I didn't want my suffering to be for naught, and so I put it all together in a program, which I call my fancy approach to brain regeneration, and I'm sharing it with the world because I, I realized, you know, the system is broke. There's not a lot of hope, and there's not a lot of direction, and, you know, I'm talking to patients now around the globe with the Parkinson's diagnosis, and, you know, you basically get diagnosed. You get prescribed some medications, and you get parked in the upper motor neuron clinic. And during that time, you know, it's like basically watch and wait. Um, I have patients that go in to see their neurologist on an annual basis. Um, sometimes they're not even told what, what the findings are. And I had one patient say, yeah, I went in, got evaluated, and they said, okay, we'll see you next year. And she asked them, like, well, what did you find? And they said, well, you're getting worse. And she said, you know, I could have told you that before I came in here, <laughs> you know, and and maybe your listeners can relate to that. Like it is, it's all too often a, um, a common, a common theme that I hear from my patients and the folks that we consult with. So, you know, we're really looking to move the needle. Um, I'm really digging deep and incorporating um, new technologies, new research, uh, really, um, I want to know what moves the needle for folks. So that's what we put together in a brain regeneration program. Um, by no means am I saying I found the cure for Parkinson's. That said, uh, I do see a lot of people improve. And in fact, our research is showing we get a 95% success rate, meaning we are improving people's lives. 95% of the people that have come in and have interfaced with us and in doing the therapies uh, we're getting a 95% success rate there and that we are improving their quality of life. Now, some of those people no longer have symptoms of this disease. Um, so it's very encouraging to me. We're always making improvements, but our base, uh, base thinking process, I think, is very sound. And so we just keep refining what we've put in. Dr. Echo, of the people that I have interviewed who have Parkinson's disease, what I hear back from them is, I've been told that this condition is degenerative, and that means that I'm going to get worse and worse every year. What you just said, as I understand it, is that's not true. That is correct. That does not have to be true. Now, I am not providing false hope or saying we are curing 100% of people with this condition. But to go in with the understanding with the quote-unquote expert in the room saying that there is no known cure and you're not going to get better, and in fact, it will, this process will just continue, so it will either be a slow or a fast decline, is you're seeing the wrong providers. 
um, because that is their thought process and belief system, and they cannot see beyond that. So it's basically, you know, that component of like, well, I'll believe it when I can see it. Well, I can tell you I have seen it, and I have patient testimonials to prove it to people that they no longer have the symptoms of Parkinson's. So it is super encouraging. We leave the door open that the innate intelligence of the body can heal. We just have to remove obstacles to cure. Listeners are now sitting on the edge of their seats wondering, well, I'd like to know more about your brain regeneration program. Yeah, that's a great question. So I have an acronym that I put together, and it's called the FAN-C, F-A-N-C. And this approach, as you announced in my uh, intro, and thank you so much for that, and I'll, I'll take the intellectual moniker too, um, but, you know, with all of the other accolades, um, the F stands for functional. And in a functional medicine model, we treat heart-centered dynamic beings moving through time and space. I do not treat disease processes, and I do not treat signs or symptoms. And the reductionist medical model, what is happening for people right now in the neurologic realm is it gets reduced into, oh, this is a neurologic problem, go see the neurologist. And the tip of the iceberg that gets addressed is the dopamine and dopaminergic receptor degradation of the neurodegeneration. Now, that's a mouthful. But what it is, is it's an end-stage process of this disease process that we tend to throw maybe a little bit of a wet towel on, um, meaning it's such the end stage that I want to move the discussion way, way, way upstream. So how do we do that? Uh, you know, I could have 10 people with the Parkinson's diagnosis in the room while we have the framework of the fancy approach to brain regeneration as our framework we want to individualize the treatment regime and program for the person, the heart-centered being, sitting in front of me. So obviously there are different genetic components for everybody. And by genetic, I mean epigenetic. So there's your genetic platform. Yes, there, there can be a component of genetics with neurodegradation. But not everybody with Parkinson's has the, the SNPs or the, the genetic factors to predispose them. So what is it? It's not just a genetic disorder, but it could have been traumas in the family lineage, the epigenetic patterning. It could have been a great, great, great grandmother. What I uncovered in the process going through neurodegeneration with my wife was, oh, it made my job as a practitioner so much more um uh, involved in that we need to know what happened to our great 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 grandmothers like back in the day their traumas may have turned on certain genetic signaling in our family lineage that then is expressing today so and, and the research on epigenetics is showing that we know um, you know survivors of the holocaust and their offspring have certain um, processes and disease processes that are more prevalent for them. Uh, there was a great study out of Montreal. They had a deep freeze there in the 70s and looking at the offspring of people that lived through a bit of a mini famine, um, there is also more um, 
predilection towards certain disease processes. So we do know that the epigenetic component plays a role in our health. So one aspect is looking at this functional medicine approach is looking at traumas, our own traumas through childhood and life. Uh, maybe it was a significant loss of a loved one. I, I see lots of patients that after their wife or husband died, they start developing some Parkinsonian symptoms. Um, I see folks that had significant traumas, um, physical traumas, in particular on the stomach meridian of their body, which is runs down their legs that um, as children, they had injuries that then, you know, are showing up as Parkinson's symptoms later in life. So there, there's that aspect of the family lineage and genetics. In the functional medicine approach, then that leads us to to listening, meeting people where they are, really having a heart-centered connection with people of, you know, witnessing, hearing. I, my patients will tell me exactly what the path is that we need to be on by taking a thorough case. Um, not everybody arrives at the Parkinson's diagnosis the same. Um, so that's the F for the functional medicine approach. And and treating whole dynamic beings moving through time and space. So not the disease process, not the pathology. The pathology is just a sign or symptom, but not the true imbalance. So that's the S. The A is assessment. And this is a very big one because most people that I see, they're taking a bunch of supplements or they're doing a bunch of therapies. They wanna know, well, what is the, what's the purple pill that I can take, Dr. Eckel, to you know, help cure me of Parkinson's. And unfortunately, there's not just one path to get there, or I guess I should say, fortunately, there is not just one path, because if it were that simple, um, you know, we would have found the solution already. But the assessment is so crucial, because so many times I see people, they've been worked up, and we want to use the Western approach and the workup, the DAT scan and you know, uh, the, there's not a lab uh, value that really says, yes, indeed, this is Parkinson's. It's really a constellation of symptoms, and it's a clinical um, evaluation that gets you to the diagnosis of Parkinson's. Um, and so we want to use everything that we've got, the blood work, the imaging, et cetera. That all can be very important, um, and it's just not enough. So we want to think outside of the box. One of the things that we came across in the research is the Brock hypothesis. Are you familiar with this one at all? I'm not. So Dr. Brock, uh, B-R-A-A-K, had a hypothesis that Parkinson starts in the gut 10 to 20 years before any central nervous system symptoms exhibit themselves. And he took mice and injected the mice with alpha-synuclein into their bodies. And half the mice, he cut the vagus nerve. So their, their cranial nerve 12 was no longer um, intact. And the other half, he left the cranial nerve 12. In the half that he left the cranial nerve 12, they, all of those mice developed Parkinson's. Those that did not have their cranial nerve 12 intact did not. So it showed that alpha-synuclein, this misfolded protein, may begin in the gut and travel on the vagus nerve, cranial nerve 12, up to the brain. So cranial nerve 12, that goes to the brainstem and then deposits into substantia nigra, 
when it gets up into the brain. So it's an interesting hypothesis. We do have animal research to support that, hey, there's some validity here. So I got to thinking, well, why aren't we evaluating the gut where there's tons of information coming out on the microbiome? Well, let's take a look at what's happening there. We know the gut is the second brain. We know the neurotransmitters are manufactured in our bowel, in our gut. As a naturopathic doctor and Chinese medicine practitioner, I'm a full believer in the spleen and stomach camp of health of our health starts in our gut. You, so we want to evaluate what's going on with the microbiome. So that's one kind of uh, corner of the triad of testing that I see most people have not had done. And we can get some really great valid information. In fact, I just saw some recent research on a specific probiotic that was showing some benefit in reducing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Uh, and so we do know the gut has an influence on brain and brain health. So that's one leg of the stool. The second leg of the stool is I ask patients, you know, when you are stressed, do you notice, do your symptoms get worse with the Parkinson's? And invariably, it's yes. My tremor gets worse. My gait gets worse. My speech gets worse. My sleep is worse. All of that with increased stress level. So we want to look at the stress hormones. So we do an evaluation of cortisol, testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen. Uh, we look at how that also influences how our liver is detoxifying that, and we look at the breakdown products of it as well. We get an evaluation of melatonin and dopamine and the stress hormone breakdown products. There's a marker called 8OH, which looks for environmental toxicity because we do know one of the main causes of Parkinson's can be environmental toxicants in, in the environment, um, from solvents to pesticides to um, heavy metals. So we also, the third leg of the stool is we look at heavy metals. And I learned this early on in my career uh, David Perlmutter, and I actually got to thank him on my Brain Degeneration Summit. I interviewed him um, for an annual event I do uh, interviewing world experts in neurology on how do we move the needle for folks out there with neurodegeneration. And I shared with him the story. He, about probably 18 years ago, posted a YouTube video of a gentleman with a Parkinson's diagnosis that he pushed glutathione into his system. And uh, the tremors, his gait elongated. He was able to turn with just slight stutter in his gait. And it was like miracle cure. And I had been doing glutathione at that point in my practice. I just wasn't doing it at the dose that he recommended there in the video. Um, the first five patients that I put that in on with the Parkinson's diagnosis, it was like crickets nothing, nothing happened. And I thought, well, this doesn't make any sense. He showed this gentleman, yes, N of one, but it was encouraging. There's no known cure. Let's try it. Nothing happened. Um, and I thought, well, I know he did not hire an actor to do that. So what is the deal? And I tested those patients for heavy metals. And lo and behold, all five of them had a significant metal burden. And I have found now over the last 20 years of practice, uh, um, the top four metals that I see are mercury, cadmium, arsenic, and lead. Those are the top four. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't other metals in there, but those are the top four that I see. But we got to test for them. And it's not a hair analysis. Um, 
I used to run hair analysis with a urine challenge test and compare the results. And I found folks with the metal burden um, aren't able to excrete them in the hair follicles, and that's why they're having a, a metal burden. So if you're just checking hair analysis on metal burden, um, it, you're not going to get an accurate result there. So I do um, say there's a specific way of testing the heavy metals, and you want to do it by the book there. Um, those are the three legs of the stool that is the starting spot. Now, there's some more sophisticated, nuanced things that we do around, you know, making sure people don't have Lyme or mold or chronic viral illness. A lot of viruses can uh, mimic Parkinson's. Uh, hypothyroidism, there's cases in PubMed that show having uh, hypothyroidism can exhibit the same symptoms uh, as Parkinson's. Uh, so that is on the assessment. Any, I know that was a ton of information, so I'll, I'll pause there and let me know if you have any questions or want any of that flushed out. My guest today is Dr. Gregory Eckel, who is uh, an amazing medical naturopath, physician, and Chinese medicine doctor of all three wonderful combinations of talents and abilities, who's discussing all the kinds of things he's discovered in dealing with uh, individuals currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Dr. Echo, then you've mentioned a number of diagnostic criteria that you use to ascertain what might be at issue for a person. Could you give a brief explanation of what happens when a person visits your clinic? What kind of tests or what kind of approaches do you use to be able to figure out what's going on? Sure. So there's some preliminary work that we can do for folks before coming out. And this is how I consult with folks around the globe now. Um, in that I've just found the inadequate workup. So we can use the blood work that they've had through their medical doctor, medical provider. Um, but then we do some of those specialty tests when indicated. And we get those results back because depending on, not everybody with a Parkinson's diagnosis has a metal burden. Now, if there's a high metal burden, then we want to do some, we want to get the proverbial let out. So we go through a chelation program. Um, to help their body detox off of those metals because it's like building on quicksand if those are in there. And the therapies that we recommend won't be adequate. Um, if there are um, hormone imbalances, we correct those. A lot of times we're dealing with um, some mindfulness, meditation. Um, a lot of, I do recommend in my book, Shake It Off, uh, an integrative approach to Parkinson's solutions. I write extensively of this process. And um, I do recommend some exercises for folks like uh, Qigong that I, I studied in China and uh, super brain yoga. And I will include that link in your show notes for your listeners that they can um, try out these exercises because they have been very uh, well-studied and put into clinical practice for helping balance out the right left hemisphere of the brain, um, and it's a really great way to help coordinate the different lobes of the brain for folks with Parkinson's. Well, when people come out to the clinic, they're pretty much, they've been primed. We've the groundwork. We've got the foundational components in, and we're evaluating them with through a Chinese medicine lens. So we're taking their pulses. We're looking at their tongue. Um, I get their... Uh, 
kind of an indirect measurement of their stress response, even though we've, we have measured their stress hormones before they get here, um, we're looking at um, their adrenal gland response. And what should happen, the adrenal gland is our fight or flight or freeze response. So the saber-toothed cat coming to eat you, and you either fight, freeze, or run. Um, so we look at that in the office. We see what's happening there. Uh, we're doing some Chinese medicine and acupuncture on those visits. We prescribe botanical medicines directly to what their pulses are saying. So we get at what is the underlying root imbalance. Uh, we've seen some patterns over the over time. Uh, there's about five different patterns that we see for folks with this diagnosis. Um, and so we treat accordingly there. Um, we're doing hyperbaric oxygen. So folks will get some what I call time in the tank. Uh, hyperbaric oxygen, it really p was discovered for uh, deep diving. Um, when divers would come up too soon or quickly, they would get the bends, uh, which is a nitrogen asphyxiation onto the red blood cell, which doesn't allow oxygen to come back onto red blood cell. And the body literally will just bend over in a cramp. And so they discovered that and put people, put these divers into a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which is, it goes up to 1.4 atmospheres, up to three atmospheres of pressure. And what that does is it drives oxygen into the body from a high concentration, this hyperbaric chamber, into the body and would displace the nitrogen, then allow this person to not get the bends and actually come back up to a, a one atmosphere of pressure, which is what we normally have on the planet. Um, and so what we've seen, though, in neurodegeneration and brain health is a lot of times there's issues with getting oxygen, enough oxygen in to help heal the brain. So we do, um, we do that procedure. We get them in the hyperbaric chamber to help oxygenate the brain and the body tissue. And that oxygen is anti-inflammatory. Um, it helps with healing of wounds, um, and that the oxygen is uh, what our cells need for energy. Um, all of our cells use oxygen for energy. That's why we breathe. Um, it, I also recommend don't stop taking breaths, so that's a, always the number one uh, suggestion. Now, you're supposed to laugh there, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> we have to remember to breathe. <laughs> I'm breathing <Yeah>. now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, and so on that on that front, um, so we get them in the hyperbaric chamber. And then while we're doing acupuncture, we also use and have incorporated in photobiomodulation. So we use a PEMF, a pulsed electromagnetic frequency, and low-level laser therapy. Um, so light pads that they're lying on. Uh, there's some really great research on PEMF for Parkinson's and on low-level laser, right? There's a great study coming out of um, Tanzania and Australia. I don't know if you saw it down there. It's called the Buckethead Challenge. They had folks wrapping yeah. LED lights, you know? Um, right. And so we've got, yeah, so it's a great um it's a great therapy to incorporate into any uh, brain healing and especially into Parkinson's. Um, you know, we have Weber technology out of Germany who has a nice, really nice LED uh, light helmet. Um, I have also incorporated in some laser therapy directed at the brain to help guide. Uh, we do a laser activated and guided 
V-cell procedure, which is a regenerative medicine component. This is the newest thing that I've put in, but there's some really compelling uh, science. And I'm getting ahead of myself, though. That That's in, you asked, like, what it looks like when people get, come in. That's in the C on my fancy approach to uh, brain regeneration. That's the C in cellular regeneration. So um, I want to make sure we talk on the the N front as well. So that that's kind of the camp nature cures of what I talk about. I wrote about it in my book, Shake It Off, but also we're going to talk about it here on the second part of the show. Um, but that is, people will come out, I call it camp nature cures, is that they get camped out in the clinic. They're coming in in the morning, they get hyperbaric and acupuncture and photobiomodulation, they go out for lunch, they come back in the afternoon and we repeat that. Uh, then we do a V-cell procedure where we are laser activating uh, these V-cells and then we guide them in the body with pointing the laser into the body where we want those V-cells to go. V-cell stands for very small embryonic-like stem cell. Um, I didn't even know what V-cells were when I went to medical school, graduated in 2001. They were discovered in 2005 by Dr. Ratichak at a University of Kentucky. And these V-cells are what we were made in utero, in our mother's bellies in the uterus. The V-cells, the very small embryonic-like stem cells, are how the body replicated and formed in, in the belly. Then they go dormant when we're born. And in our arrogance in, in medicine, we thought, oh, those are dormant cells. They're useless. Um, we just didn't understand that you had to turn those cells back on. They would occasionally get activated if you had a heart attack or heart tissue damage. The V cells would get stimulated to help heal the heart, and then they would go back to being dormant. Uh, but what we've discovered, Dr. Todd uh, Ovetsky's, um discovered uh, by – shining a light on those cells, you can turn them back on, and then you can guide where they go in the body by directing the laser back in the body. So we like to say we are treating people, not disease processes. So we are helping the body heal itself, um, not treating a specific condition with that procedure, but really just aiding the body and healing itself. So that's the process here when you come in. Members of the Parkinson's recovery audience are truly global. A person from, let's say, London, England, or Paris, France, is thinking, my goodness, Dr. Eccles' clinic sounds really wonderful, but I really am not going to be able to physically get there. Can you provide consultations or services or support uh, to persons who are not able to physically actually get to your clinic? Yes, we can. We can do that uh, via Zoom and or telephone. We, um, you know, just navigate the time zone component, but we can discuss that. And I am talking to people around the globe now um, with the Brain Degeneration Summit that I do. It's a global summit. Uh, we're expecting 80,000 people to go through that this summer. Uh, and it is, um, it's online. And so we're, I, I love that. It's one of the beauties of the Internet. Uh, that we're able to now, you know, come into people's homes around the globe and, and really help get this information out. I mean, one of the biggest things that I experienced myself, there's not a lot of hope, and you get really isolated really quickly, and it's, you know, the speed of transmission of the information. I'm really looking to get onto the hockey stick 
component of this curve and really accelerate the healing and the information for people so that we can actually move the needle here in neurodegeneration. How can people acquire your book? Um, so currently it is on Amazon. Um, so it is on Amazon Publishing Services. So you can go in there, just type in my name and shake it off and it will come up on there. You can order it globally there. Uh, you're also welcome to contact my office and we can ship from here as well. Dr. Eccles' last name is spelled E-C-K-E-L. You mentioned a nasal device or applicator that you have invented. Tell members of the audience more about that. Yeah, so in the N, in my fancy, so we covered S for functional, A for assessment, and then N is for nerve health. And most folks know, like, kind of the big players in that realm, right? We've got the B vitamins, B12 in particular, the B complexes, uh, mushroom complexes. There's um, Boswellia, which is a neuro-anti-inflammatory um, the endocannabinoid system, the, which I didn't even know existed, again, when I went to medical school. Of course, now it sounds like I'm getting pretty old, but back in my day, we didn't even know that existed. I always give a shout-out to Professor Machulam out of Israel. He's the one that discovered this system, the endocannabinoid system. So that would be CBD, uh, cannabidiol oil that underlays the whole nervous system and autonomic nervous system and hormone system. So you've got to have your endocannabinoid system balanced out. And then I came across, so if you remember, I got into this because of my wife, Soraya, had on the, on the differential, the ominous diagnosis of CJD. And the other one was autoimmune condition. So in this protocol, Everything that we've talked to up to this point is things that you would do for autoimmune conditions as well as immune system. Um, but I didn't have the prions. If it was prions, well, what can we do? Well, I went into the research and put out the feelers and came across some substances that have research to show they actually work to neutralize prionic activity. So prions, again, so this is like mad cow syndrome, right? People are more familiar with that. Um, that's what Critchfield jacob disease is in people. So mad cow syndrome. So in England, Europe, you're probably more familiar with it um, from tainted beef or the, uh, the mad cow syndrome. It creates, you know, called bovine uh, spongiform encephalitis, which is holy brain. Basically, these prions get in there, they clump together, and they create big gapping holes in the brain. Well, thinking, okay, well, that process may be happening for Soraya, so what can we do? And I came across and I created, uh, with a patent pending, it's called Clear Mind Nasal Spray. Um, this is a nasal spray that I have my patients with Parkinson's diagnosis using, and they're getting the feedback back uh, around um, their speech is coming back. Their voice and vocal cords uh, is becoming stronger and louder. Um, I remember early a uh, patient of mine, Mark, that has uh, this diagnosis. He was leading a meeting at work, and after the meeting, uh, some of his coworkers came up to him and said, Mark, what are you doing? Like, we could really understand your um, speech so much better. It was so much louder, projected. 
Um, you enunciated your words very well. You said, oh, I'm using, you know, one, I did the brain regeneration program with Dr. Eckel, and two, I'm using this nasal spray now called ClearMind. So what is in there is DMSO and HOCL and um, a proprietary blend of those with some essential oils that we put in there. Now, DMSO is dimethyl sulfoxide, uh, which is a chaperone molecule, but it in of, in of itself, there's research to support it deactivates and declumps uh, prions, misfolded proteins. And then HOCL is anhydrous chloride. This, there's over 125 years of research with that. And the anhydrous chloride is what our own immune system secretes around bacteria and viruses to dismantle and disarm viruses and bacteria. But it also, there's over $2 million of NIH research to support. It deactivates prions um, on surgical equipment in the environment, and it's also totally safe for in human consumption. So I put those both together, and a great novel approach is to deliver that intranasally. You travel on the cribriform process on cranial nerve one up to the brain, and it goes cranial nerve one is on the brainstem. If you remember back to the Brock hypothesis, cranial nerve 12 is also on the brainstem. So we're getting close to the same area where potentially alpha-synuclein is migrating up from the gut. Uh, and so the nasal spray, ClearMind, is one of the uses is for that particular symptom. But I also, uh, and I don't have the research yet, but a hypothesis, working hypothesis, is that two molecules together in the, in the ClearMind are move, deactivating the prions and moving them out of the brain, um, thus preventing any further degradation. So that is a working hypothesis right now. The, the clinical evidence supports, though, that it definitely is helping folks with the Parkinson's diagnosis with their voice and the strength of their voice and their vocal cords. People listening to this exciting discovery from, let's say, Mississippi or New York or Maine are thinking, oh, I'd like to get some of that clear mind uh, nasal applicator. Can they just call your clinic and get it, or do they need to be a patient of yours? They can. They can call and get it. We're working on getting that up on our website as well. Um, so we're, we'll have that on our storefront here soon, June or July of 2021. What an amazing innovation, invention, and discovery, Dr. Eckel. Uh, this is really exciting. Well, thank you. Now, you mentioned some about your, and I'm going to describe this as your innovative stem cell therapy. Could you go into a little more detail about what's involved with that, how it actually works? Sure. So that is the dash C in the fancy approach. And so what the V cells is very small embryonic-like stem cells. Now, again, I want to be clear on my language in that I, I like to say I'm treating people. I'm not treating a disease process. Um, so, you know, we want to be specific in that we're giving the body information so the body can heal itself. So that I find that it to be very important to say. Um, and so what we do, we activate these V cells, the person's own innate healing ability, these very small embryonic-like stem cells, and then they are uh, put back into the body. So it's like a, 
an activated, uh, laser activated and guided, uh, very small embryonic-like stem cell procedure. Um, there's a lot of information out there around stem cells in general. I think a lot of misinformation as well. Um, the research is still being done on that procedure. Uh, the first tenant of medicine is do no harm. So um, it is a very safe procedure. Uh, and the clinical evidence is very, um, very encouraging in that we've had folks that have come out and within 30 minutes to an hour of the procedure, their their symptoms have reversed. Now, that is not everybody by no means, um, but we have had folks that have come out, and that has occurred. Does the procedure have to be repeated over and over? You know, um, so it is still new into my clinical practice, um, if you're not doing any of the preliminary work that I talked about with the testing and kind of setting the terrain and the foundation, um, I do think doing booster treatments is in order for folks. There is a cumulative nature on the treatments as far as a biologic age reversal that we're seeing. Um, some early preliminary data showing about 2.6 years of uh, biologic age reversal, so not chronologic age. So, you know, for instance, I'm 51 years old, and you do one treatment of these cells, and it takes your biologic age, how old your cells think they are, back by 2.6 years. So there's more research needs to be done on that. But we are showing a systemic effect with the treatment. To answer that question more specifically, I've had some patients, they've only needed one treatment. And I've had others where they have put it in on an annual uh, treatment component, one in regenerative fashion. Re regenerative medicine is very different than Western medicine, meaning the body heals itself, meaning it doesn't just wear off. Now, that said, there is a disease process at foot that we need to put uh, the brakes on and halt the progression of the disease process. So if we haven't done anything on terrain, and, and supporting the individual with their health, then it will be very hard for just a standalone treatment to get the work done there. So you may need more support with the procedures. So meaning you would need to come back for more of those. You've previewed a number of truly innovative and exciting options and therapies and approaches uh, that are helping people reverse the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Are there several that you have seen really seem to stand out, some approaches, some options, some therapies that really seem to help more more people than not? Well, yes. I mean, and that's what I've put together in that fancy approach. So we're um, really always refining. So that's where the nasal spray came into play there. Um, there's sometimes we're doing some photoacoustically modified uh, enhanced complete amino acid. So if somebody's really losing weight, not having great appetite, not eating very well, um, you need those building blocks in there of amino acids and, because the amino acids are what um, how the body heals in the protein structures. We use amino acids to create new cellular structures. So we're asking the innate ability of the body to heal, we need to replace the broken cell. Um, so we put those in. Um, 
really the the complete program or a program programmatic approach to the health. So I give the analogy of a teeter-totter and the 800-pound gorilla of Parkinson's is on the other side of the teeter-totter. So you're wanting to stack on your side to actually even get any balance out. You need to put enough vector force on the other side of that teeter-totter to move the needle. So oftentimes I see it's the mistaken component of the Western approach, which is, well, we should really study these as one item at a time to see what's happening. And I think that's a good gold standard model, but you know, our patients and our listeners right now don't have 30 years to wait for all of that to get done. So we are carrying out the research. And in the meantime, the tenant is do no harm. So we want to really move the needle as quickly as possible. So I, I recommend full court press um, and don't don't short yourself of any of the steps because by missing a key key step, you won't get to where you're needing to go. Listeners that are not located near your clinic, which again is in Portland, Oregon, are thinking, well, I want to do a full court press. I want to get in there and really figure out what's going on. Now Let's say that they decide they want to make a trip to Portland and spend some time at your clinic. How long should they expect to be there to take advantage of all of the wonderful options and therapies and services and diagnostics that you have to offer? Well, so in particular, not everybody qualifies for care here. So I do have a book a call um, component for folks that are motivated to explore that with us, which I'll, I'll give you for the show notes as well. Um, it's naturecuresclinic.com backslash book a call. And um, there's a form on there to fill out to, to get on, and we can talk about it. I do a complimentary consult for 30 minutes to discuss what's going on, see if we may be able to help you. Uh, but then people, you know, once you get through preliminary workup, et cetera, we kind of get you cleared for takeoff to come out to the clinic. And that's anywhere from one week to two weeks. So what I call Camp Nature Cures, um, majority of folks are coming out for four days. We're doing intensive therapies over those four days. Then we're doing some follow-up at months three and five and eight. That is truly exciting. So I want to make sure everybody heard what you just said. So it's a question of obviously having some evaluation of whether or not you would qualify to participate in the clinic offerings. But second of all, you have an opportunity to have a 30-minute consultation with Dr. Echo that would be complimentary, which is, I think, just such a generous offer and opportunity. As you imagine what people might be thinking about having heard this interview and they're sitting in their homes one week from today, what would you most like listeners to remember about your presentation? Well, I would really, I just encourage you to listen and have some hope that there are clinicians out here really looking to move the needle for you. You're not alone. Please reach out if you feel like you don't have anybody on your team. We'll get you connected into the right people that you need to see next. And that we are living at an amazing time with really some amazing therapeutics coming online and there is a ton of, of momentum coming towards the neurodegeneration and how to heal our brain. So um, get into action, 
pick up the phone or email us and um, let's have a discussion. Dr. Echo, you also have the Brain Degeneration Summit uh, coming up. I believe that's going to air this summer. Could you tell audience members a little bit about that? Sure. So this came out of my just what I went through with Soraya and realizing there's not a lot of hope for folks um, out there and people are not getting complete care. So I've got 40 world experts on different facets of brain health from nutrition to movement to environmental causes of issues and, and actually actionable practical things to put in and ways to um, move the needle for you right now at home. So it's June 7th through the 14th, 2021, uh, thebraindegeneration.com. Um, perhaps we'll get some links for you uh, up on the show notes as well just to make it easy for folks, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise, movement. I've got a whole component on sound and light and frequency um, therapeutics, which I know is right up your alley there um, from our conversations. And that was one of the things that I left out of the first summit. I was like, oh, I got to get those in there because that is the future <laughs> of medicine. Um, so we've got, um, you know, some really amazing discussions and uh, practitioners, providers really sharing some practical steps that you can take now and then also give you a lot of options moving forward to say, hey, you know what, I haven't explored that yet. Let me look at this component. As people are listening to these wonderful opportunities to be able to rejuvenate and regenerate their bodies and their cellular structures, some people are thinking, okay, boy, that's going to take me some time to set all of that up and find these opportunities and pursue these opportunities. What might you suggest a person could do today for themselves to begin feeling better? Well, one, I would say check out the videos that I'm sharing with the Qigong. It's called Cloud Hands and the Super Brain Yoga. So there's the movement in there. Um, I would say also is, you know, get connected up with support group in your area. Um, and or I'll put a shout out in my hometown here is the Brian Grant Foundation. And they have some amazing resources for free online around exercise and nutrition. Now, Brian Grant, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of my favorite Portland Trailblazers back in the day playing basketball, and he was early diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And his foundation is really supporting people living with Parkinson's disease and kind of giving some practical steps of what to do today. Dr. Greg Eckel, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to Talk about your amazing discoveries of what's helping people reverse the symptoms associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Your work is truly revolutionary and I think is changing the practice of medicine today and it will become the standard of how medicine is practiced in the future for your contributions. I want to, on behalf of all the members of my listening audience, thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much, and thank you all for showing up and listening. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm humbled uh, in, in being in medicine for 21 years when people show up and they're showing the intimate, vulnerable details of their life with me. I'm truly honored uh, to be of service, so thank you. 
And that's what's happening here on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are, of course, handsome, and all of the children are profoundly loved. Know that by the simple fact that you have listened to this amazing discussion and presentation by Dr. Greg Eckel, that you are journeying down the road to recovery in your own time, at your own pace, and making the decisions that you know are the right decisions for you to be able to fully rejuvenate and regenerate your health and wellness. Thank you so much. This is Robert Rogers, founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. Thank you so much for being with us today.